lot of it is that everyone's complaining about mental stack from the day one, right? Everyone, no one has it compiled yet. As a CS person, I know that you got to compile the stack. Like you mentioned, you mentioned sports and then like being in the zone. Like that's, that's a term commonly that's used in flow. basketball, right? Yeah. Like, you know, no, when, when you're just flow. like, whatever you throw up, right? Like it's just, the, it's going in the basket. It doesn't matter, right? All of our talk about mental stack and like reducing that or limiting that. It just made me think about like when it comes to basketball, right? It's five on five. And, yes. you know, a lot of teams don't run plays, right? When it comes down to it and it's like the game's on the line. What do a lot of teams do? They give it to their best player and they and they run what they call an isolation play. It's a one-on-one. So in that situation, like you're not dealing with the other four players. It's mano a mano, you versus this guy, and you're you're doing whatever you've learned up to that point to get a single shot off. That's a perfect parallel to reducing your mental stack. Because at that point, you're not worrying about everybody else. It's you versus this guy. Let me do whatever I've learned instinctually, muscle memory, you know, my best move to get an open shot. To the absolute guard podcast yes welcome this is episode 44 my name is benny and as always i'm joined by my by my co-host john who's uh often duplicated often imitated never duplicated how's it going john? <laughs> i'm pretty good i'm pretty good i uh i i don't know what that that saying means nowadays <laughs> but i definitely feel like i could be in multiple places at once today in particular <laughs> Oh man, how's how's your day going, Benny? Uh, it's going great. It's going great. Uh, just found out today uh, I'm officially a Twitch affiliate. So oh hey, that's, congratulations! That's exciting news. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. It's like it's like a couple like you, you have to have a certain amount of concurrent viewers and a certain amount of stream time too, right? Yep. What could you have possibly been streaming during all this? Uh, I don't know. There was like a new game that came out. Uh, was it Street Fighter Six? So I've been <laughs> I was kind of debating whether I was going to stream that at all, but. I figured, hey, what the hell? Uh, you know, just kind of watching or tracking my progress personally, and it's been fun. Um, you know, and I think the the one thing that if you watched my stream that you'll probably notice the most is that I roll my eyes really hard when I get drive impacted. Like <laughs> every time, it doesn't matter the situation whether I I ate it because I messed up. The minute I see that and I know that I'm caught, I just roll my eyes. I. I definitely have rolled my eyes while during gameplay before too. Um, that is definitely a thing. And drive impact is also just a, a a hot button topic, I think, for a lot of people that are picking up this game. And yeah. you know, in general, I think that's actually the the theme of our show today is talking about improvement methods. And we've uh, we got a special guest on today. Uh, welcome, yep. skills to kills. Hey, what's up? How's it going, what's up, AJ? It's going pretty good, guys. Going pretty good. Been enjoying the game as well. Some, some game. I think. I think it was Street Fighter Six is the game that we are playing. That's that's the game, right? Yes, <laughs> that is the game. And part of the reason why, uh, like, I, I was we were thinking about having you on is like uh, we, you and I interacted this past weekend at a tournament, and I got to see like how how you are learning this brand new game. Um, 
and it's kind of an interesting like compare and contrast to how I learned the game, how Benny learns the game. And, and I, I feel like there's a lot of different ways uh, that, that learning styles that, that people have that in different methodologies that resonate with, with everyone. So uh, if we could just get right into it. Um, so when we were playing street fighter six, actually, I want to, I want to take a step back even further um, and say, I remember on the show, your last episode, you were talking through, we were talking through Marvel. We talked, we were talking through power Rangers and kind of going through your history. And yep. uh, I think we also talked about the SOCD changes and yeah. uh, you kind of expressed a lack of interest in street fighter six. And I was curious about what has changed your mind and like, what is keeping you coming back to the game right now? Well, yeah, certainly. I think that I, even though that I was heavily skeptical, like to be generous about the game, I was always going to give it a, a fair try. And, and whenever I give a game a fair try, I always try my hardest and I, and I try to like the game and street fighter is six. Is I, I almost came into it trying to hate on the game, trying to like not like the game because of everything that I saw from the esports angle. Um, obviously, SOCD changes, I think, are still pretty dumb. I think the way that they went about it was also pretty foul. And looking forward at the way that they're implementing their esports leagues in the future, there's probably some issues with that going forward. But once you can separate yourself from... Capcom, right, versus Street Fighter 6. Street Fighter 6 is super interesting. Nice. Very, very, cool. very interesting. What about it interests you the most? Um, from how, first, I, a lot of what I was judging was based off of open beta gameplay and stuff. Just you, okay. you constantly see these matches and they're a little out of context. Now I see the players were really just trying to get a feel for the game. And then as such, you kind of overspend on, on drive gauge and it looks like a really ugly game. It looks like people are constantly burning themselves out for no reason. And I thought this game looks really bad. But the second I saw some, some competent players play, you look at a, like a Daigo and a Tokido play, mm. it, it started to click and, and the resource management started to make a lot more sense. I thought, I thought the game also embraced a lot of uh external play styles too once once i saw what jp could do once i saw um that fireball wars were just as active as, as ever it was it was it was awesome i i knew that this this game was going to be something i was gonna i was gonna enjoy nice nice so has your opinion on burnout changed then where is it is it <laughs> is it worth burning out ever <laughs> in your mind Oh, I, I honestly have no idea. The risk reward behind it is interesting to the point where I don't know if it's if it's completely like you're. It's a death sentence. It's not right. Like uh, sometimes yeah. it is worth it to burn out, but to pin down exactly when it is okay to burn out and when it isn't, that's a little that's a little harder. It seems to be okay to burn out if your character is okay and neutral and they can they can like get it back or maybe you're closing out around. That's actually super okay. If you're closing yeah. out around, use all your drive bar, you know, use all your bar, um, sure. your, your super bar, all that's good. Uh, what about you? What, how do you, how do you feel burnout is in this game? Um, right now I think burnout is, uh, it's kind of how you described within the betas where everybody is just kind of burning out willy nilly right now because they're kind of just trying to see what's possible on the engine. Um, and, uh, I, I mentioned it on the last show, but basically you can't you can't know 
you can't know how to cross the line or you can't know when to cross the line if you don't get right up to it you have to like really test all your boundaries before you can really like build out a game plan so i i agree with you in that early gameplay burn out freely because you're exploring all your options but then yeah. over time we've gotten better at punishing burnout and like real like i've lost entire rounds by burning <laughs> like yeah. i'll be in the I'll be in a massive lead and I'll be like i'll just ride this out and burn myself out and then i'll kill him before he can even have a chance to kill me and that doesn't happen and i die um so i think that the player base has matured enough where they can punish burnout as well as me understanding my limitations and being able to dial it back but keeping it in your back pocket for that player expression you mentioned earlier and being willing to burn out to make a statement instead yeah yeah, I have to, like, in terms of my, my personal playing, like, I'm not at the point, because, like, I've, you know, I've watched you play plenty of times, John, and, like, I've, you know, towards the end of the round, I'll I'll see your, your meter management, and it's, like, you know when it's time for you to burn everything and to use your level three or whatever, and it's just, like, yeah, I know this is going to kill. There's no, like, there's really no question for you at this point. Like, I'm not at that level just yet. Like, I kind of conserve my meter, and I'm, like, worried about, kind of the the loss of uh you know drive impact or anything like the drive rush or or anything parry. else that i have yeah that the parry yeah that and um you know also like execution wise i'm not there yet to where i'm comfortable like okay this is the time for me to drive rush in and you know finish my plate and and win this round like i'll be like let me take what i what i know i can consistently do for damage and then hopefully i can get the rest of it out of there okay very cool I, I think that the, like we we kind of represent a bunch of different like um, phases of learning. I think as you mentioned, Benny, where you're you're, you're still getting to the point where you're kind of feeling it out and you're feeling out like what what the what the damage per drive bar does is kind of like a return on investment thing. Um, yeah. And uh, I was curious about and but to AJ and to Benny here is like you know how how are you how are you trying to uh, gauge that progress of like figuring that stuff out? How, how are you practicing right now? Um, Benny, do you want to start? Uh, yeah. So for me, like um, I talked about it briefly before, like, you know, when I first got the game, my first thing was to jump into, into trials. Right. And just kind of see what the, what Capcom wanted the, wanted this character to be able to do like on a basic level. And then after that, you know, I kind of went into training mode, kind of, kind of looked at Twitter stuff just to kind of see what people were doing. And then I, you know, after that, it took me a couple of days, but then I jumped into ranked and, you know, did my placement matches. Um, uh, I've been playing Sim a lot more than Honda at this point, but when I did his his placement matches, like those were really rough. I think I won two out of the 10. And a lot of it was just being like, I wasn't super comfortable with like just really anything. Like my punishes were kind of non-existent. Like my use of drive gauge was really non-existent. And I was just like, you know, I took my lumps and I ended up like in silver. So, um, you know, it, it was humbling, but at the same time, I was just like, well, this, you know, this is where I'm at. And like, you know, for me, that's, that's part of the experience is like, you know, I wasn't going to jump in and expect, okay, I'm going to be in diamond right away. Right. Like for me, like I knew right off the bat, like this was going to take me a bit and it had, you know, and I'm, and I'm still, you know, at the point now where I feel like, uh, I think the most comfortable thing for me is to kind of just build little by little. Like initially it was like, I was playing Honda, right? And I was looking at all these combo possibilities and using the uh, his install and everything. And I was like, how do I extend this combo? How do I do this? And I'm just like, I'm overwhelming myself with information and combos and 
all kinds of stuff that, you know, I'm not even ready to kind of implement at this point. So I kind of dialed it back a bit, just kind of went back to basics. And I was just like, all right, let me just anti-air and let me do kind of simple damage and cancels in the supers. And that, that I think for me personally has helped me the most is because then now I'm kind of just gradually kind of like adding to my repertoire as I play. So it's like, okay, now I can do this hands combo. Okay, what did I see in the last video I saw? Oh, I can extend it with the stand short, and then I can do super after that, or I can do headbutt after that. Okay, here's a little bit. I'm squeezing out a little bit more damage here. Okay. It kind of reminds me of like like whatever martial arts cliche from a movie or something where like somebody like blindfolds themselves and it's like, I need to train my other senses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where you're, you're essentially like limiting yourself or you're, you're tunnel visioning, visioning on purpose so that way you don't get overwhelmed by the whole wide world that's out there, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, you know, um, I'm just trying to just, yeah, not over, overwhelm myself personally because like I realized that that was, was basically killing me in the game. I was thinking about too much stuff. I was worried about... Uh, meter management i was worried about maximizing damage and it's like you know what let me just kind of figure out the flow of this game and and what works for me and then you know we'll 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 add from there and just progressively get better from there very cool aj how about you how's 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 your improvement methodology uh treating you or like what is your improvement methodology since starting this game yeah uh well my improvement methodology well, first, it starts with just learning the game, figuring out if I even like it or not. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of that is just playing with the homies, uh, picking a whole bunch of characters and, and just kind of screwing around. Um, just like Benny, I tried to go into the trials, figure out what Capcom thought the character should do. And it lets you learn all the moves. And maybe with the frame counters and stuff, you, you, you know some basic frame data. Maybe it's not everything. But OK, jabs are four frames in this game. So I can I can get away with being minus sometimes. It's not Marvel where I'm minus one and I die, right? Like this is OK. So, <laughs> so it's basic, basic little knowledge checks like that I, I can get around. Then, if I've decided that I, I not only like the game, but I also want to commit to it competitively, then there's a whole, whole thing that I, I got to do. Um, so I commit to a character. Um, I've committed to Luke now. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, a full, full commitment to Luke. And then I, I basically watch a bunch of VODs and stuff to figure out the game plan, the general game plan, the general archetypes of, of the characters, you know, just, okay, he's a Shoto. I'm, I'm baiting jumps a bunch and I'm looking for DPs. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm in the building, you know, so I've got some kind of game plan. Sure. Uh, then BNBs. I, I learn a couple BNBs then I fight the CPU for a little bit so that I can actually oh. hit, hit that hit. Yeah. So it's like confirms that aren't necessarily, I'm not just going into an online match and I'm like, Oh my God, why can't I do my combos or anything? No, <laughs> I will have, I will have my hit confirms down. <laughs> Okay. So you, you basically start with like a, putting yourself in a position of duress, so to speak, it, when, when playing the CPU and, and having to actually like grind it out in, in, in a match as opposed to labbing it out and then having writing out a spreadsheet or something. Well, uh, the spreadsheet comes like right like after the, the CPU stuff happens and I'm like, okay, so clearly this is like my best neutral starter. I'm getting like, I'm, I'm doing this a lot. And so then... The spreadsheet comes out and it's like, okay, this, I need confirms off of this, this, and this. And then let's say I knock them down and then I'm getting DP'd all the time. Okay, now I need Oki. 
Um, now I am mm. off of these situations, this, this, and this. Then when I go yeah. online, I always write down why I lose and stuff. And then that gives me opportunities to lab why uh, I lost. And hopefully I don't lose the same way again, especially if it's something concrete, like, oh, this button was actually negative. I didn't know it was negative. It's, it turns out it's super duper negative and punishable. You know, some, something, some, some stuff like that um, in terms of just kind of surface level improvement on my end. It, it's a very, it's a scientific methodology, if anything, where it's like, I, you're, 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 you're finding problems to solve and then build solutions for, right. And th those problems might be, I need a BNB off of a specific starter or, um, you know, you have different meter management issues or like, I need a BNB that with this particular situation with, oh, I, or I need Oki. Um, it seems like every time it's it's like it's 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 like intermixing. Both of you guys have had this have this uh, style. It sounds like where you have this intermixing of real match play versus going back and then solving a solving a problem, and then real match play finding the problem, and then then offline like solving it a different way, labbing it, writing it as a spreadsheet, um, etc. Yeah, at least in the learning stage of the game, in the very early learning stage, that's that's the method that I take. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I a part of the reason why i was like really intrigued by this is when we were playing this weekend um uh it, the contender had a farewell tournament this weekend uh you had a notebook with you and you wrote down um like specific situations or um tech or or reasons why you lost um could you give some examples of like what would be a, a reason why you you lost or like something you would write in your in your notebook all right yeah the first thing is to like trust the person who beat you more than like yourself. So that's why I like asked the person or asked you a lot uh, why I lost. Cause I, uh, one, one in particular, I'm like, okay, so my defense in this situation, I just wasn't familiar with the options and that's why I lost. You said, no, uh, I burnt myself out and thus I didn't have access to a whole bunch of options. So I wrote down, um, you know, like uh, burn myself. Uh, no, okay. Okay. Actually this one, this is, this is in the weeds. This is crouch, medium kick, uh, offensive options because what I was doing was I was always defaulting to go to dry brush from crouch medium kick right so but that's yeah. just because I didn't know anything else uh, at the yeah. time and I didn't know how bad I was putting myself into that situation afterward okay yeah that's, yeah. that's, that's one way yeah uh, low forward DRC is a really potent uh, uh, tool in this game but because it takes half your bar like there's a specific time like I, I apply an algorithm to it where I, if if I have I need to have more than four, I think, yep. before I'm comfortable DRCing. That's about because, what I'll do too. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to go. You don't want to fall under one because, you, you, like, even if you don't burn yourself out, you don't have access to parry. You might as well be burned out at that point, right? Yep. Yeah. You basically have the three to like. Oh, in case they're drive impacting me or something like that, or I really need to get someone off of me, you know. So, yeah, yeah four, four or above. Uh, another thing I was writing down was how i like how solid um your your throw loop game or your your oki was so i i, I wrote down to work on um oki in off of off of those situations off of basic knockdowns mm. uh, range zero i write down ranges where i'm losing a lot of the time too if i don't really know exactly what's happening i'm losing up close yeah could you describe okay. like the different ranges on the screen that that you would capture with these numbers here yeah, it's a Tekken thing. Um, they just describe it by like 
the number of backdashes between a character range oh. zero is right up close range one range two range three range four and so on but usually you want to play range two or or three in in tekken uh okay. well depending on the game uh now now it's like you're pretty much right right here and stuff, <laughs> uh, for for a lot of the time okay yeah, and, interesting and, like yeah, uh, I was gonna say in terms of like, so when you were talking about, uh, you didn't know about your options with like the 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 low forward. Was it more about like you didn't know that you could like drive rush and then overhead or like drive rush and then throw instead, like those kind of options? Or were you talking about something else? It, it's, I mean, I definitely didn't do those enough. I was doing uh, drive rush and to throw pretty much every time because my thinking was. I was doing really well in the ground game, right? And I just typically, if I could stay at a certain distance at, at the range at which my fireballs were were safe enough and I could DP jump-ins, I was doing mm -hmm. pretty okay in, in matches. So a throw tech, that's going to leave me right there. So if, if I throw you, then I get a throw loop. If I get throw tech, then I'm back there. Problem is, it's very expensive to do that option a whole bunch of times, Yeah. right? Um, and the other thing is that I could be a little greedier too, and I could go in and I could do plus two on, on my jab and I could enforce a, a better offensive situation for myself if I wanted to go that route. The other one is that it's okay to just go low forward and a fireball, low forward and drive impact or low forward and do nothing, right? Yeah. Wait, wait for them to hit a button and, and do something. That's, that's the big one. It's just giving up my turn and seeing what else someone's going to do. I'm already in a good range, you know, a lot of the time and I can, and I can play that game. That's what I've been working on today, actually. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. because I was gonna say, yeah, as a as a sim player, that's something that um, I got into a bad habit with. With five was like, you know, you're used to having the range advantage, right? You know, hitting people from three quarters screen and stuff like that with normals. So I got in a bad habit of kind of hitting heavies at bad situations, and you know, heavy buttons got horrible recovery. So it's like, okay, I'm in a good range. Let me throw out this standing roundhouse, and you know, hopefully, I hit him in the face. Next thing I know, I'm getting jumped on, and I'm like, that was a bad, you know, bad spacing actually for me to do that. You know, like I was relying on the mm -hmm. fact that I had range, but I wasn't thinking about the fact that, you know, that wasn't the the best kind of button to use, right? Like I was basically giving up my turn and allowing somebody to jump in versus, you know, throwing out like a, a medium or a short or, or something faster, where, like you said, like I'm giving up my turn, but at the same time, I still have the opportunity to, to react and to anti air based on what you do. Yeah, it, there was this was a kind of a concept in five as well, where you know a lot of people would whiff heavy heavy kick crush counter buttons, and then mm -hmm. that would open them to jump ins because they're whiffing those buttons, um, and so it ended up like pulling back the meta a little bit from crush counter buttons to using jabs and forwards and neutral, and six kind of has that same feeling where like like AJ, I, I don't I don't necessarily do the numbers thing for ranges like you do, but I do think about it in terms of. You know, am I in jab range? Am I in medium? Am I in light range? Am I in medium range? Am I in heavy range? And then That's am ideal. I in fireball yeah. range? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's um, ideal. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, at at first, like when you're learning the game, you're pretty much playing at either max range or really, really far up close. And that every every like every action is taking yourself from far range to to like fireball range to jab range and you skip roundhouse and, and medium range via something like a jump or something like a drive impact. I think that those mechanics, they call them skip neutral mechanics because they're deliberately skipping two zones on the screen. Um, and you don't end up playing that, that, that medium and heavy range footsies game very often. 
but you yep. play the heavy range game if you want to like try to punish a fireball or something but it's about like being more comfortable in those two ranges and that's actually what i've been trying to work on a lot more lately is walking into those two ranges um specifically medium and heavy range and being willing to walk into their low forward range and basically make a statement being like i'm walking up on your ass right now i don't expect you to hit a medium button even though i'm in that range and then you get into that footsies conversation at the same yeah. time you're trying to anti-air you're trying to react to di and all this other stuff so it's that <laughs> sounds that sounds easy but it's really not <laughs> yeah i i'm almost ex like in such a similar spot yeah I'm, I'm walking into low forward range except i am trying to like commit to blocking you know, yeah. I don't know if you're like a like a musical instrument person, but it's like like playing the rests or whatever, like like actively doing like a nothing in in somebody's space and choosing it to be. I'm gonna take my minus four frames or whatever, or like if it's Ryu, you walk into the low forward range, you know, a fireballs coming, you drive impact or something, you know, something something yeah. that starts with you blocking something. Because like if you get someone, if you if you get in a position where like you walk forward and you block and then they stick out a low medium kick like at first like to a spectator you're like oh man they blocked something they must be on the defense now but from mm. the player's standpoint you're like oh man i got that button out of him he's scared he wants to assert that space because he's worried i'm getting in there <laughs> it's like a really it's a it's a really unique statement i um i got a chance to play justin wong on ranks a couple nights ago and he played chun so he played the mirror and I got to really compare how I use my buttons and how he uses his buttons. And the guy, like, his low forward is magical. And I'm like, wait, I have the same low forward. <laughs> and I didn't get it. But, like, there, like, I just, like, he would constantly walk into my low forward range. And I'd be like, oh, I'm immediately going to hit a button. And he would block it. And then after a while, he knew when I was going to hit low forward. And he would counter hit me instead. And it was just, I, I. Yeah, footsies. There you go. It's footsies. <laughs> but um, I, I did want to revisit a topic that Benny mentioned in the intro because you uh, you brought up drive impact, Benny, as uh, mm -hmm. an eye rolling uh, mechanic. <laughs> and I, I wanted to know, like, number one, like, how, how how are you faring now that now that the game's been out a little bit while? And have you had time to get used to it? And if not, then like, what what are you looking to how are you looking to deal with it uh, moving forward? Um, yeah, so I am, I am getting better uh, at dealing with it. Um, uh, I was going to speak briefly just because uh, I find the, the whole notebook thing interesting because like, oh, right. I've thought about doing stuff like that, right? And uh, I mean, you know, I think certainly everybody kind of makes mental notes, of, mental notes of like why they lose, right? Like if I lose and I'm like, oh man, I missed my anti-air here, right? Or, oh man, I dropped my combo right here and, you know, that was the game winner right there. And like I make mental notes of that like all the time, but I've never thought about just kind of writing it down you know just to be like okay why am i losing this matchup oh i got throw looped you know four times in the corner because i didn't press a button right and uh for somebody that's really like kind of like a visual learner like or somebody that retains information like when i read it like i feel like that might be something something helpful for me that i might start doing because I, you know i'm older than you guys and i come from that kind of arcade era where a lot of it's just trial and error like i was used to just playing games and you know seeing seeing people do something and then every situation i would try something different i was like okay what happens if i hit jab here what happens if i try my reversal here and it's a lot of figuring out stuff on the on the fly and you know losing a lot in the process and i could kind of eliminate stuff like that 
nowadays with like you know Twitter and the internet and access to seeing how how people deal with those situations. Um, but to talk about like drive impact, like I think my biggest thing initially was um, just not reacting to it and not expecting it at a lot of situations. Because like I said, I started out in silver and it is the wild, wild west out there at those lower ranks. Like, <laughs> like I know, I know people get into to patterns and, you know, myself included. And it's crazy, like the, the kind of patterns I was seeing from people, like their block strings would be like, you know, uh, low, you know, uh, was it like light medium and then drive impact. And then I'd be like, okay, I got hit by that one. And then they reset the situation. Then they do the same thing. So, um, if, if people were watching my stream, like there was a lot of games where I was losing like the first game. And it's just because I was literally downloading data at that point. I was just like, okay, this is what he likes to do. And then at that point I was just like, okay, this is what I got to look out for. And then I start reacting to it or, um, with Sim, you know, I'm able to like jump and teleport out of the way or something like that. So like I'm, I'm finding ways to deal with it, like on the fly, you know, maybe that's not always the best situation. Cause at that point I'm like, you know, I'm down a game already, but um that's what's been working for me okay i i think that that's it's it's kind of the equivalent of like hey uh, round one or game one you know taking a bunch of jump-ins just to see like how not not i mean obviously blocking it if you can but, <laughs> yeah. but like letting them jump just kind of see like what their jumping patterns are right yeah okay yeah that yeah. and like i think the thing with playing the two different characters right between honda honda and sim has been really kind of eye-opening in terms of like when people cho choose to drive impact. Because um, we talked about this briefly, John, but like when I was playing Honda, like I get the, I get into the mode where I kind of like check out and I kind of start doing kind of stupid things like full screen headbutts and stuff like that. So I was getting drive impacted by, you know, better players from, from distances like that, right? Like I do like a medium headbutt. I think I'm in an okay range. And next thing I know, I'm getting drive impacted. And I'm just like, okay, he's got those. You know, whereas I'd play somebody lower ranked and they wouldn't punish me for that at all. Like I hear I am just chipping drive meter away and I'm just like, okay, you know, this is how I should play. So, and then with Sim, it's like, you know, it's a different thing. Like, uh, I don't know, I kind of learned that from playing playing Sim in 5-2. It's just, you really, uh, you really get to see how patient people really are because when their life starts chipping away because they're getting kicked from, you know, the full screen away, and, you know, you start throwing fireballs into the mix, you start, you know, you start to get a read for like, okay, he wants to jump here. Or um, in this game, parry, like I throw fireballs and I don't see a lot of people just kind of hang back and they're just like, oh, I'm just going to parry. Sure. So there's a lot of, uh, I guess, yeah, reactionary kind of gameplay on my part, just to kind of see how people want to play against, against Sim in particular. Sim's an interesting character where like you have to, be active because technically you have advantage at round one start but you also have to play reactive because they're going to react to you having advantage and throwing a haymaker like a di or a full screen headbutt or something right yeah um i i one thing that always gets me and i'm, I'm curious if you guys have this similar experience is um like it, it what i mentioned earlier like hey i found a problem that i need to solve i need to build a solution for this uh, whether that's find a new BNB or try a new mix up, try a different strategy, like walking in a low forward range or something. Do you guys ever find that that makes you worse out of the gates when you're first trying the new thing? Like you lose way more when you add a new thing to your repertoire. Does that happen to you guys? 
uh, for, well, yeah, I would say that, but the main reason why is because I'm kind of, I get kind of tunnel vision into wanting to implement that into my game right away, right? So it's just like, oh, I figured out this, I can back heavy punch with Dalsim and then I can drive rush and get another one and and uh, super from there, right? Like that was something that I was doing in training mode, but then like I got into games and I was just kind of sitting there waiting for somebody to jump. And then I'd play somebody that's just doesn't want to jump at all. And I'm like, when am I going to get, get the opportunity to try out this new tech that I just figured out? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I kind of get lost in, lost waiting for that situation and end up, you know, losing as a result. Yeah, uh, pretty much exactly. Yeah. I, I lose a lot more, but I don't know if it's like worse because I my understanding of the game is is better. So even mm -hmm. if it's not reflected in some random uh, ranked match or something like that, that's that means basically nothing to me. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm I'm just willing to soak up the losses as as much as I can. To be honest, as long as I have my own metric of how I'm improving, then that's that's what matters to me. Yeah, that's actually a. A really good point too is that um you know we we frequently use wins and losses because th that's the success failure state in this game right uh, as yeah. a measure of progress uh, i've seen people measure based on life bar versus number of rounds that kind of stuff um and how, how are you how are you measuring your progress internally aj yeah i mean that's the hard part with uh with all games um you know it's um Basically, I, I take what I think causes me to win, and then I see how often I'm doing the the idea of of those things that are causing me to win. So, okay, I'm I'm going for throw loops as much as I can now. Maybe first day I sweep and I don't even know to go for a throw loop or something like that. On uh, upon replay viewing, I can see oh I didn't go for that. I can I literally tally that, and I can be like my throw loop percentage is like zero percent here off of sweep. And then that's like a concrete data point that I have that I can uh, just look at and be like, okay, I got to improve that clearly. Um, and then I'll, I'll uh, reevaluate my, myself uh, down the line whenever I have time to review VODs. And I, I look at those kind of key markers and see where I've gotten better or where I've gotten worse. Typically in, in like the learning stage, you're only going to get better like in this early on. Yeah. Um, and then, then once you start like slipping and falling in certain areas and, and getting way better in certain ones, that's that's like competitive stage, and you're not learning anymore. You're like playing the game for real, and then that's a whole other other can of worms. Do you think yeah, anybody's think... playing the game for real right now? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, if you look at the people like Punk, right? He just he just won uh, ten thousand dollars or whatever from that one launch tournament. Those people were playing probably to win as opposed to learn because there's like a financial incentive there mm -hmm. um yeah so they're going to be less playful you're going to see a lot of rote stuff that they know works and there's going to be a lot of uh, less creativity and exploration yeah i think like um you know it's really easy to to kind of measure your measure yourself based on like you know wins and losses and stuff right um but you know like I've been losing a lot, like initially, and you know, I, it's it's frustrating. But at the same time, like I try to just look at my like my game as a whole, kind of like AJ said. Like even if I've learned this new this new conversion or something, right? It's not whether I'm able to hit it. It's 
okay, when I get the opportunity, like how often or how consistent am I being at doing that? Because it's one thing to like, okay, I know this combo and I know how to do it, but you know, am I able to do it in, in the heat of battle or when I need to do it? And um, that's something that um, I was able to do yesterday. Was like I was kept on trying this, this drive rush combo that I'd been practicing, and I hit it a couple times in random matches, and then I played one person where I did it twice in a round that basically like sealed the round. And for me, I was just like, okay, that you know, that's finally coming together. Like this is another piece that. I've added and like, yeah, can I improve it, improve on it in terms of damage? Sure. But I was like, in that, in those particular situations, like this is something we talked about the last week, John, it's like in this game in particular, like there's not really like a B and B that I have in mind when I'm, when I'm going in. Right. It's like, I have certain, certain simple things I might do like, you know, normal and canceling the fireball. But in terms of combos, like I'm basically, you know, freestyling at the time where um, just based on what the situation is and uh, whether I want like a, a knockdown or whether I can super and kill at this point. So there's not really any kind of situation where it's like, all right, this is what I'm going to do every time. Gotcha. And that I, I echo those sentiments. Like I, I, I definitely fall like uh, more on AJ style as far as like the doing the spreadsheet and doing a, like a qualitative analysis of each B and B and then, you know, measuring the, um, the damage and the the resource consumption of it but the issue that i found and that 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 works for like pretty much every game i've played up until this one because of <laughs> the fact that everything has an inherent cost to it and that costs uh the uh how much how much cash you have in your wallet changes so rapidly because it's tied to your block gauge and stuff um and so the spreadsheet started like a, an ordinary game spreadsheet would probably be like you know a couple of uh, like maybe like 50 rows max right mm -hmm. um it, it, obviously if it's like a versus game or something where you have a big team like it's going to change but um for six it's like no i have every bnb i have like every starter like for example like a jab starter or a low forward starter there's like nine permutations for it there's like do you want to burn one bar on a parry rush do you want to burn two bars on an ex do you want to burn three bars on a drc do you want to do that again and burn an entire gauge how much super do you want to use and it's like there, there, that then so basically one combo turns into nine rows on my spreadsheet and it just gets so long to the point where i don't know if i have have the mental capacity to memorize all that stuff yeah so i've actually found that i i'm doing a little bit of both where like i'm writing down the combos that i'm doing but i'm not writing them down to reference later i don't actually ever read my notes i just write them down to like to like help keep, like instill it in the brain and then have that ready uh in my brain to freestyle as you mentioned earlier yeah yeah i was gonna say like for for me what the way that i've kind of been building upon like the combos and stuff is just kind of learning the routes that i can do and just having those in my mind right so it's like if i do this what's the next normal that i can do or what what special can i cancel to at this point and um, cause I was like, when you were playing street fighter five, like you jumped, you jumped around characters towards the end of the game a lot. And I was like, how do you manage to play all these, all these characters and at a, at a competent level. Right. And you were like, well, you know, the, the routes are kind of similar once you, once you start, you know, understanding like the basics of a character. So that's, that's kind of been my approach now, uh, when it comes, especially in this game with the meter management is just like, okay, I hit them with this and my mind already knows like, okay, I've got whatever options from this. Yeah. And then I, you know, I kind of go from there 
And again, like I, I mentioned earlier, like I'm not at the point to where I, I'm calculated enough to know, okay, I need to burn this meter now and I burn a super and I win. But, you know, I feel like, you know, that'll, that'll come in time. But at this point, it's just like, okay, what are my options from, from this situation? And then how do, uh, you know, how do I capitalize on it? Yeah, I, I feel like every character in this game, and AJ, I shared this with you, I think this past weekend, but um, every character in this game has like a a light party starter. And I don't mean that as in like a jab or something, but I'm saying like they, they have a confirm into something that's pretty low committal. And maybe not, it might not end in a knockdown. It might end in a knockdown, but, and then everybody has a big party starter. And that's usually like crouch fierce or stand fierce into a big special move that allows you to juggle into some cool ass drive rush combo or something. Right. And so I felt like for every character I've tried in six since it's launch here, like the, they every character has a way of getting into that big party starter like jamie's crouch fierce opens up his rush punch and and that kind of stuff uh chun you're always just trying to go into the back fierce as much as possible ryu you're trying to go into back fierce as much as possible luke you're trying to go into crouch fierce into into your uh your big big flash knuckle juggle like from there you're like okay I, the, my, my big route is there how do i get there and then you start finding creative ways to do it uh, like drive impact crumple state you get a free stand crouch fierce right there right or uh, a jab drc you can do jab drc jab link into crouch fierce and then suddenly the whole world is opened up to you compared to like a normal like you know light knuckle confirm or something with luke um to the point where sometimes it feels a little homogen like over overly homogenized but uh <laughs> that that's the pattern that i've noticed and in and, and five that you know that same pattern was present it was just that it was just mediums instead um, and then four the the pattern was lights um so i feel like you can kind of pinpoint a theme of the game and this six for the record is the most open-ended where it's got lights and it's got heavies uh as far as like your big party starter combos so it's got a little bit of everything and then they just attach the cost to it so you have to decide which one which how committal you want to be right yeah um i mean to kind of circle back on what you were saying though like it gets really chunky and ugly when you start recording all the data points down and okay you need like a, a combo off of you know x y and z it's all different combos all different routes for each one of those things uh -huh. but the, the alternative is to just let your mind do it which is also like not ideal you know um, so taking that hybrid approach, I think is, is crucial in, in a game like this. And even if you aren't, if you, even, if you, even if you don't know that you're doing it a lot of the time, just talking to your friends over, I am is indirectly you taking notes and, and regurgitating that information, almost every tweeting angrily about, oh, I got hit by drive impact 30 seven times. <laughs> so note taking, right. Uh, yeah. it's kind of embarrassing to note take that way, but people do that. It seems, um, people yeah. use Twitter as their notebooks, which is an incredible development <laughs> in information. Um, but I, I think that it's, uh, I mean, I, I think we talked about it a little bit last time, but did you, did you take that intro to UI course at ASU, John? I don't think that course was around when I was, was when I was in school uh what, what what was it like was it a teaching like a javascript framework or something no it was like the ideas of ux and 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 just general design what makes oh. a good design and how how to interface with uh like human-centered design and stuff oh yeah i did i took a human and computer interactions course maybe it was it was similar in that nature um yeah it's it was that changed 
like the way I think about the world and especially the way that I think about fighting games. Uh, me and Varkalin, actually, we ended up meeting in that class. We both played fighting games. I, I hadn't really talked to him before that. We hadn't really communicated, but we, you know, we became partners through that class and, uh, it, and like Dragon Ball Z was, was the new game. And oh. they just, they, they talked about, and you know, we uh, became homies with that guy. Right. But then also the stuff that he was teaching was like so widely applicable to everything, right? Like Miller's law. You, you remember Miller's law? Uh, no. Could you, could you elaborate on that? Yeah, that the the working memory can only hold seven things plus or minus two. It's like that concrete. It's it's just that. Oh. So hmm. so the more you can lessen that mental load, uh, the the higher performing you're you're gonna be. So just in terms of note taking, it's the same reason why writing things down and n never having to look at it again is is uh, so effective in strategies because you're able to use your working memory more in matches. Uh, oh, as opposed okay. to to having them like co constantly like oh my god i've got i've got this uh mental stack oh i'm, I'm i got a jab i'm gonna spend two bars and stuff like that like really granular specific things you're able to abstract them into more widely applicable ideas that will carry you to victory and, and thus you have you have you have fewer things to look for in in your in your mental load your your, your stack becomes more compiled you know and it's just a it's just a more comprehensive uh, approach to the game that way. So, like, uh, if I if I understand the example, uh, if I understand this right, an example would be, you know, rather than memorizing jab DRC jab back fierce into launcher, which is my my combo, I would instead just think, oh, I landed a jab. I need to go into back fierce somehow. Yes, and then like make the logical connection that way instead. Yeah, and then maybe you can get your uh, other memory. I forgot what the other memory was. <laughs> Isn't that kind of ironic? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, it's it's like long term. I guess I, yeah, that's, that's so that's... stupid. I my long term. I forgot the term long term memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, like one thing, like so, I have a big Bruce Lee fan, right? And. And one of the the big quotes that he has is in it's in Enter the Dragon, right? When he's talking to the kid uh, before you know all the crazy stuff happens in the movie, and uh, he basically says, uh, "A good martial artist does not become tense but ready, not thinking yet not dreaming, ready for whatever may come. When the opponent expands, I contract, and when he contracts, I expand. And when there is an opportunity, I do not hit. It in quotes hits all by itself." And that's something that I've always tried to apply to my my fighting game kind of philosophy and how I play. Like, you know, everybody wants to kind of get to that point to where you're not thinking about what do I do with this situation, right? Like, for for example, like when it comes to anti-airs, like, I, you know, all, all I'm looking for in an anti-air situation is at what distance are they jumping, right? And at that point, like my mind already knows back BDM works at this range back fierce works at this range and you know whether you know we're playing the footsie game and trying you know i'm trying to establish a certain spacing so that i know what to do like again like i try to uh like aj was saying i try to so try to simplify what i need to do in that situation so like if i try to keep them at long distance like i know that the only button that i need to do at that moment is the back fierce right and if they close that distance then my mind is like okay don't do back fierce it's too slow they're gonna get in on you before before you know before you know it and you're gonna get hit so at that point like 
like mentally, I'm already like limiting my options. Like I see, you know, I'm assessing the situation and I'm saying, hey, what's the spacing here? What do I need to do in the situation? If they jump, can I slide under it? Can I can I teleport away from it? And um, yeah, it's it's like kind of you kind of do that almost unnaturally in a way. And like I tried, like you know, like he was saying, like I try not to overwhelm myself in terms of like um, knowing what all my options are at that time. Right? It's like. Right. You know, I'm not I'm not thinking about everything at one time. It's like, let me let me funnel it down to like what the particular situation is and spacing and and whatever. And then that way, I just inherently know what to do at that point. I think that's a really common uh, uh, pitfall that that people fall into is that they they get under the impression that everything is reactable because everything has an answer. Therefore, you should be ready to have that answer at all times. And that's when mm -hmm. that's when the, the the mental stack rebuttal happens, right? And it's like, well, you can only count on so many things. And I think we're um, it gets the point that you made there, Benny, is really strong in that it's less so about trying to react to everything everywhere all at once, but instead <laughs> uh, contextualizing the possible options based on the situation and saying, I don't have to worry about a fireball at range zero when we're, when we're point blank. I might have to worry about a jump, but even then who jumps at that range? So I might just remove that from my mental stack at the time. And if they jump and they surprise the shit out of me, that sucks. But yeah. at the end of the day, you have to commit to your mental stack almost. Um, and you have to choose to be ready for X, Y, and Z. And when you can, in reality, you can only pick two out of the three. So you have to just pick two out of those three. And if they pick the third one, uh, you know, you lost, you lost the exchange. <laughs> you can't be ready for everything. This, there, this, a good example of this is, um, in street fighter five, I was so, I was so dead set on like checking dashes all the time and dashes were extremely difficult to react to in this game. And the parallel here is drive rush, because right now I think everyone's complaining about drive rush, um, yeah. and how it's not reactable and stuff like that. You can actually react to it if you're like sitting there watching it very, very carefully. And yeah. there is, there are times when you want to do that. There are times when you're like, I'm willing to take the jump in. I'm willing to let them jump. I'll obviously block on reaction still, but I won't be able to anti or I'm like willingly giving up my anti or off my mental stack because I have this really strong read from the player to player interaction that they're going to drive rush at me. And so I'm going to stick a button out and that might also cover them advancing. That might be a whiff punish as well. So it covers multiple options, but at the end of the day, you are committing to a specific, like you have a set size on your mental stack and you're just committing to, uh, those options and anything above that, you just got to let it go. Um, AJ in the chat here, uh, we've, we've got, we've had conversations about mental stack and muscle memory. And, uh, I was curious about, like, what what is your definition of muscle memory for the group here? Yeah, uh, muscle memory. I don't I don't have like a, an exact one. I've been trying to like read about exactly what it is, but it's almost like like a mystical thing. It's almost like instinct. You know, you just get it uh, programmed into you to the point where you can unconsciously perform this action, and it's just like a part of who you are now. You know, somebody can mention fireball motion and without thinking, you just do that. Right. And then it's just mm. you don't you, it's completely unconscious. You don't even have to pay attention to it, really. Um, that's the kind of level where it's like, OK, I know like where my buttons are and stuff like that. Or, uh, OK, like tap forward to move like you would never yeah. think about that in a match generally. Right. Um, yeah. 
unless it's like um unless you notice it and it's like you have you're using a new controller or something like that that's where you like <laughs> really know that yep. you've got to get the muscle memory down and stuff uh from there but yeah, yeah that's 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 generally how i look at muscle memory it's something uh, separate from from long-term or or short-term memory yeah i was gonna say like um yeah you know that the point i was making about the you know it doesn't hit you know it hits by all it it hits all by itself right like to right. me that's not muscle memory that's that's like more like instinct right for me like i guess i think of muscle memory as like the comp like knowing the combos and like doing those without any kind of uh any thought like in that sense like that's not that's not really the same thing to me like the instinct part is really just kind of like the situational like situational awareness almost in a sense and knowing what to do in certain situations whereas to me like muscle memory is like okay i got the opening here's the jump in do this this combos into this super right that that to me is muscle memory yeah i'm at the point nowadays where the combo is less about what combo i do and more about what situation do i want to create after the combo's done and so i i think that I think that you guys can probably relate to this, but like while you're doing a combo, you're not thinking about uh, like barring it being a really heavy execution combo where you do have to focus on it. I'm not usually thinking about the combo while I'm doing it. I'm thinking about everything that's going to happen after or everything that led up to it, including like, how did I land this combo? Is it because they jumped? Oh, I need to mark that as like a, a, a player to player interaction for later to, to use against them. You know, maybe they won't jump anymore because I, I'm doing this combo to them. Or like, hey, last time they got hit by this combo that I'm currently doing, they blocked high. Maybe I go low this time, or maybe I go for a throw this time. And you're like, you're busy parsing the rest of the match while you're doing the combo. And I think that I would maybe call that muscle memory, but it's 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 kind of that that it's more akin to the your your quote there, Benny, where the combo lands itself. You're essentially taking the combo out of like you're, you're externalizing the combo and putting it out there and you, that thing is happening, but you're not, you can't lose concentration while the combo is happening and you're thinking about something completely different. Like a situational yeah. awareness thing. <laughs> yeah, in instances where I am thinking about the combo, almost invariably, that's when I drop the combo. That's what happens. <laughs> yep. It happens. Yeah. You do think about the combo and then it's not going to, it's not going to go through. <laughs> And sometimes it's it's like there's like outside external factors like uh, it's like uh, uh, Nam was the person who asked about muscle memory in the chat right and so I think of faultine loops when I think of Nam right and mm. those have a reputation for being hard but also being the centerpiece of of the the uh, the Nova team right and so like. It, you almost have to think about that combo because it's so relevant to the metagame in a way. And so you, you like can't. you have to be thinking about the incoming that you're going to do on the next character or something else. That's that's the trap. You can't be thinking about it. Right. <laughs> you can't I, like the worst thing you can do. And I, I, I've, I've done this with lightning loops in Marvel is think about what happens if I, if I don't land this lightning loop, I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> that is the absolute worst thing that you could you could burn your mental space on is like, what happens if I drop this? I'm so scared of dropping it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. That's what happens yeah. when too much thought gets paid in the, into the actual combo. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, speaking of the metal stack, I was looking back at the chat, and then from uh, is it Star Priestess Shika? Yes. Uh, they asked, "Does the way that you all practice involve anything to deal with mental stack, or is that just something you see as a parallel to everything else?" 
Uh, I'm trying, like, my mental stack is overloaded right now trying to answer that question. Oh, we got a mental stack overflow. But I, I actually think that it, that kind of ties back to your previous answer, Benny, about the blinders, like, where it's like, rather than trying to get overwhelmed by everything everywhere all at once and trying to be, like, trying to widen this mental stack, it's more about accepting the little mental stack that you have and then just focusing on those small options and then slowly adding things back, uh, adding things in and being like, right now I care only about anti-airs and countering drive impact. I care about yep. those two things. They're going to, they're going to walk in on me and I'm just going to take it. And then over time you're like, okay, the drive impacts becoming a little bit more natural. The anti-airs become a little bit more natural. I'm going to add a button in to keep them from walking forward and drive rushing on me. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's incremental. I think I would, I would call it yeah. that. Yeah, like like I said, like I mean, um, when it came to starting this game, I I overwhelmed myself in terms of like learning offensive stuff and then also trying to deal with the defensive stuff, and there was just way too much going on. And so for me, like I I I don't I don't have any practice that involves uh, dealing with the mental stack. It's more just kind of like I know some people that you know they've been practicing like reacting to to drive rush or practicing reacting to to drive impact. And like I haven't done any like practice involving that. Um, it's just more, again, just refining like what what I'm focusing on in the situation. And like you said, like there's certain things where you gotta you know you gotta just check it off and leave it out of your mental stack at that situation, right? Like, oh well, at this point, you know, I'm not I'm gonna focus on anti airs because they've been jumping a lot, and you know if they drive rush in, then you know I'm just gonna probably gonna eat that. In the in the training mode for six, uh, there's actually a drive impact practice mode, and like we all like, like it it'll basically like Ryu will jump and then he'll do a drive impact, right? And you react to that, and then to to the average player, I think you're like, well, you know, that's in a in a vacuum. It's in a training mode setting. Like I'm watching for it, of course, right? But if you peel back that that mode a little bit, it actually adds like five or six more recordings that are disabled by default, and it adds. Ooh. It makes Ryu jump, it makes Ryu dash forward, it makes Ryu drive rush forward, and it adds more to that mental stack. So it's almost like Capcom knew that, and they are like, okay, so we want to get you to go okay with drive impact, and then as you get more comfortable with that in the vacuum, start turning these options on, and start letting making Ryu do these other things, and see if you can still deal with it. Well, um, I, I didn't even have an idea that that was in there. Like, I, I mean, I, I went into like the standard training mode and messed around in there. I hadn't gone into like any of like that anti-air stuff or anything like that. Drive and, impact practice is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like I was, I was actually telling my, um, I was playing with one of my friends in Alaska yesterday and uh, I was telling him how I found it out on stream. I, I, it's probably, you know, my, my VOD somewhere, but I like this whole time I've been playing, like, you know, I was playing YouTube, John. And I was just like, man, these fireball wars are tough with Sim. And, I, I realized on stream that I was missing a command normal. Like his down forward fierce is the one where he does like the flat ground and goes underneath. And all I've been doing before that was just crouch fierce and that's just, or just the standard fierce. And that's the one that gets hit by the fireballs. And like, you see both of his arms at the same time. And this whole time I was just like, man, why, why doesn't he have that move anymore? And it's just like, I hadn't explored that you know all of my buttons and all of my all of my moveset like i just assumed like oh i guess he just doesn't have it and then i was in the middle of a match and i i guess i pressed down forward and i did it and i was just like holy shit he still has his move like i've been losing fireball wars and this whole time like i've been you know not even use it utilizing like one of my best tools for that 
Yeah, a quick quick remark on the drive impact. Also, when I'm watching games, I hit, act like I'm hitting the button whenever I see it happen in the game, um, mm-hmm. or I hear it happen, just to get that instinctually in me. Like I want to be walking down the street, and if I hear the sound effect, I just. <laughs> <laughs> I got the triggers. I gotta have to put that like my my phone notification or something. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah exactly. <laughs> Like you're oh, walking, man. you're walking down the street, and then a drive impact jumps out of the alleyway, and it's like, oh, yeah, "Fuck you!" I hit it. Like... <laughs> I hit it second. I hit it second. It's like world tour it. mode all over again. <laughs> um, oh, one of the one of the concepts that I hear pretty regularly at work is uh, the concept of flow. Um, so oh. at, at least in the coding standpoint, right? Like you're you you hit this point where you're just you're just cranking out code you're writing you're writing things really quickly and uh you know oftentimes it's tied with no interruptions and people not letting you uh like people not knocking on your door and you know and it usually takes like a couple of for me at least it takes like a good hour or something before i really enter that flow state Mm. um and i for a long time i couldn't i never thought to connect that to fighting games um, but I saw somebody, uh, one of my, one of my training partners from five actually brought that forward and was like, so for, for flow, like I want to get to a point where kind of like the Bruce Lee quote earlier, I, I want to just react to things and not have to think about it and, and enter that flow state. And, um, it took me a little while to think about what flow meant in street fighter five. And then it got me thinking about what flow meant in street fighter four, as well as how, what it means in six. And in five, the funny thing is that I think flow is what everybody complains about. When your opponent is in flow, they're just doing shit. And then they're like, like you ever, you ever see somebody do like a button, button, button dash backwards. And then you get baited into hitting a button. Cause you see the dash and then they immediately hit you out of it. Cause they've <laughs> already committed to doing it. They just dash back and they hit you. Like they've, they've already committed like five steps in advance. And I used to think that was the scrubbiest shit ever because I'm just like, this guy's just flow charting, blah, 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 blah. But in reality, this guy, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the word flow chart. It's flow. Um, and in five, it's medium, medium pressure. And in four, it's vortex pressure. And what's interesting I found about six is that that flow exists. Like, you can do that stuff again. Um, but more like Street Fighter Four. Uh, or more like jab pressure or something like that. But this game seems deliberately designed to pull you out of flow constantly. Um, whether that's via the drive gauge and giving you uh, visual feedback that you burned too much and you just got burnt out, eat shit. Or like um, your opponent doing something like a drive impact or a drive rush or a jump or a, a, a normal dash even. Just for having all these other different things to disrupt your flow. Um, and... I think that's actually what is causing a lot of angst currently um, because I get like, it's funny because we came up with the show idea like last week, I think. And just like, I think in the past two days, the Twitter topic of the day is like, I'm frustrated at street fighter six. I'm not getting better and stuff like that. And a lot of, yeah. the, a lot of it, a lot of the criticisms I see are around people entering flow state and not being, and being forcibly knocked out of it. And they don't like that. I could talk for a long time on flow state, but like, cause, <laughs> I cause love that, that that's like the secret sauce. If you can get to flow state, that's like why athletes win championships. That's, that's like the secret to like peak human performance is, is somehow entering 
uh, flow state and having it optimized for you. Ideally, it's not going to be something like a, like a flow chart, as, as you're saying. It's something, it's like you're unconscious or... So uh, you can look at it as, as a different, uh, in, in a different perspective, that the linguistics part of your brain is uh, just a slower part of your brain than um, what the rest of it is. Um, so when you hear yourself talking about a situation, it's always going to be a little bit slower, easier to overwhelm, as opposed to being able to get into flow state. And it's just like almost your instincts taking over. It's almost like you black out and, and you get to play in that in that mode for uh, for a while and, and your body makes all of the decisions for you, but it's all completely reactive. Uh, if you listen to like sports players, but even some like a player like punk, he just like, I just react, you know, that's, that's how, <laughs> does it. you know, being able to optimize and, and consistently put yourself in the zone. Uh, that's, that's like the next step. That's what alleviating the mental stack will eventually lead you to do to kind of, uh, touch upon the the mental stack discourse that we were having earlier. A lot of it is that everyone's complaining about mental stack from the day one, right? Everyone, no one has it compiled yet. Um, as a, a CS person, I know that you got to compile the stack, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> eventually it's, it's got to get uh, squished down and it's got to become a part of your underlying like being. That's just the way you think about things now is, is, is going to be uh, manifested in flow state, you know, that's, or, or vice versa. Um, just other life experiences will come up and that's how you'll apply that to video games or, or whatever you're doing. Uh, that's, that, yeah. that's, that's the stuff you can yeah, get flow. Like you mentioned, you mentioned sports and then like being in the zone, like that's, that's a term commonly that's used flow. in basketball, right? Yeah. Like, you know, no, when, when you're just flow. like, whatever you throw up, right? Like it's just, the, it's going in the basket. It doesn't matter. Right. And then all of our talk about mental stack and like reducing that or limiting that. Uh, it just made me think about like when it comes to basketball, right? It's five on five and yes. you know, a lot of teams don't run plays. Right. But then like when it comes down to it and it's like the game's on the line, what do a lot of teams do? They give it to their best player and they, and they run what they call an isolation play. It's a one-on-one. -on -one. So in that situation, like you're not dealing with the other four players on, on the defense, right? They're all spread out. It's mono mono you versus this guy. And you're you're doing whatever you know whatever you've learned up to that point to get a single shot off, right? And and you know that's a that's a perfect parallel to reducing your mental stack because at that point you're not worrying about everybody else. It's you versus this guy. Let me do whatever I've learned instinctually, muscle memory, you know, my best move to get an open shot. And you know you live with the results at that point. Uh, it's where the coolest plays tend to happen to people like com completely create stuff out of thin air in those moments because the rest of their mental stack is alleviated. You want to uh, even further expand on that. That's just not everything that they do. Obviously the coach has a playbook. That's our notes, right? That's what, that's what they have to alleviate everyone else's mental stack. No one else has to keep track of it. The coach has it. The coach uh, has all of these different situ situations and scenarios that he can uh, throw out the team and be like, hey, do X, Y, and Z. Boom. Uh, the player didn't even have to think about it. The, the coach has it all in a book. He doesn't really have to think about it too hard either. He can pull it directly out of a book. And uh, then it's just hours and hours, tens of thousands of hours of drills and practice just get to be put into motion right there. Yeah. And it's just your creativity, you know, getting to bend what you know before. Yep. And the 
the creativity of six's combo system or like the the open-endedness of, of six's combo system i think will result in a lot of situations where we don't do the optimal thing but we do the thing that's in best in service of the flow um i i, I actually that's what i think is one of the more magical things about drc not drive rush but drive rush cancels in particular in that there's always going to be a more optimal solution for uh, besides drive rush because of how expensive that is, how you get a penalty on recovery and stuff like that. But it is so intuitive and easy, easy in air quotes, because I know the dashing is kind of hard, but like the it's, it's easy to convert every poke or every like stray button into a DRC combo. And so I find myself deliberately not... Like I, I find myself like, like, like for example, with Sean, I have an overhead, right? I can combo after the overhead, but I can like really focus really hard and hit confirm it, or I can just DRC it and know that that's and I because I know it's gonna hit and I'm in that flow state by then. I'm already in my flow chart of like trying to do the high low mix up and stuff like that, and I deliberately burn more resources to keep that flow state intact, and that's like a really. Uh, it's gotten me killed a couple times to be candid, but other times it's like your opponent is also witnessing that flow state and they have to react to everything that you are just like throwing at them and inherently reacting to the, to them. So it's like you're, you're adding to their mental stack by being in flow state, so to speak. Um, to pivot, to pivot a little bit here, because we mentioned, um, We've gotten into like a lot of like philosophies and a lot of like reactions and mental stat conversation, but uh, going back to like improvement, I uh, I was curious about the um, the impact or the effect that online rankings have had on gauging progression. We mentioned uh, the kind of like the micro goals from earlier, where it's like you know there's a you know there's a uh, a new combo that I wanted to try that won me the game and that was a measure of progress or hey I, I may have lost the round but at least i i knew to stand at this range and i lost at this range overusing it you know um there's a lot of conversations on twitter and i'm just in general about like like with placement matches and the concept of them and what leagues people are being placed in and i was curious about how you guys felt about online rankings like particularly like master diamonds uh platinum gold silver iron um like are those representative of progress or are those a good gauge of progress as you're getting better and learning the game? Um, AJ, would you like to start? Yeah, I could, I could start on that. Um, online ranking, uh, ideally shouldn't matter too much. Right. Uh, but if that is your consistent source of games, then it will be accurate. Right. If, if you're stuck in bronze and you, you're playing thousands of hours of the street fighter, uh, then you're a bronze player, right? That's like a pretty uh, uh, useful metric for something like that. Yeah. But it goes it goes a little bit deeper now that we're talking about. I touched on it like very briefly at the very beginning, uh, talking about Street Fighter League and stuff and and the esports thing. In League of Legends, uh, in order to get picked up by uh, a, like a big team or something, you need to climb up the, the solo queue ladder ranking, right? And then that's how scouts find you and then put you on a team. The way that Street Fighter Six is going might actually go in that kind of direction. Um, 
this is the first time I've seen it where they have like a certain set amount of teams that are all sponsored and they buy, they buy their spots and thus they want some kind of metric to say, Hey, I can invest in this player uh, because they were rank X on, on street fighter six or, or, or league of legends or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? So that's, that's kind of the weird thing about online ranking. It's, it tells you a general idea of where you may fit, but you can't, if you're, your goal should generally be to do well in tournament, right? If you're, if you're taking the traditional FGC route, but it might change soon. It might change. Maybe there is merit in, in getting as high as you can uh, in rank in Street Fighter Six. Because yeah. of the business interests involved. Because of the business interests involved. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like for, for me personally, man. like, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't plan to, to necessarily compete offline in tournaments and stuff like that. And uh, so for me, like the online ranking, that that's pretty much like my only gauge of like progress in terms of, uh, you know, against everybody else. Right. So uh, like for me, like I started out in silver, like I said, with Sim and my initial goal right now is to get the platinum, which I did yesterday. And um, uh, there's, you know, there's uh, what do they call it? Uh, demotion protection or whatever up to a certain level. And that stops at platinum from what I from what I noticed, I think. So once you get the platinum at the 13,000 point level, like you can go back into gold five from there if you lose enough, because I did that myself. <laughs> so, oh, no. So you can go back into gold five. So so like AJ was saying, like if I if I spend the next, you know, three weeks playing and I don't progress to like platinum three and I'm stuck in platinum one and gold five, then you know, for me, like I understand that that's kind of my place at this point, right? Until I can, until I get better. So, uh, because you know, the game's literally gonna gonna kick me back. You know, at the lower ranks, like you gain a ton of points, and there's really no like you can you can gain points even if you lose, right? So you're steadily progressing regardless. But once you kind of hit that that uh, that point to where demotion is possible, then then I feel it's it's a lot more important. Because at this point, like, yeah, if I lose enough, I'm just going to be, you know, I'll be at max a gold five player. Whereas now I have to continually progress and win to keep moving up. I, I kind of realized that I didn't like exactly nail uh, the the point either. It, like, a lot of a lot of it is how important do you think ranked is uh, as as results, right? And and if you don't, if you're if you it's almost like studying from a test that you're taking constantly. You can do that, but generally the fastest way to improve is through studying like elsewhere, uh, notably ending Walker who did very well at Capcom cup uh, uh, in, in the finals recently, he said he never touched rank. And then that's how he got super duper good. Um, he just, hmm. he grinded with his friend, the matchups constantly. So he got really good at the matchups and, and the understandings of the game, as opposed to, you know, a little bit of an ego boost, a little bit of a pat on the back that, you know, you did well on ranked or something like that. The just short <laughs> sets aren't going to be super well at, uh, uh, super good at, at, um, contributing to your improvement as a player, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a good gauge. If, if you're like at that level, at our level, you know, we're just, we're not the top tippy top, you know? Yeah. You know? And the other thing, like you mentioned about the, the kind of the business opportunities, right. When it comes to playing rank too, like, you know, that's a, that's a very uh, quantitative way to rank somebody and to, you know, see their skill level. Uh, but you also got to think about um, online tourneys are going to be more prevalent now. Yep. And there's going to be certain certain gatekeeping in that sense, right? It's like, oh, golden under or platinum and above, master ranks only. So, you know, in that sense, like, it, there's a little bit of importance in that for some people if you want to get 
uh, if there's going to be tournaments like that where people are looking for for the strongest players. Are you a master ranked Dawson player? Okay, then you can enter my tournament. Yeah. Oh, you're still sitting in platinum? Nah, like we're not going to, you know, you're kind of wasting our time right now. So, you know, get level up and then, you know, come talk to me later. Yeah, that that's the next stage in in this evolution. That This is how we know that we, we've gotten there is um, when you start seeing less and less open brackets and you start seeing that it's more invitational. And at that point, rank might actually matter quite a bit, you know. I, uh, as you know, it, it doesn't make a lot of money. It doesn't make a lot of money to, to just host these open brackets online and stuff. And typically, people really mostly pay attention to the top eights uh, in terms of CPM and, and attention and stuff. So why not just just skip out all the beginning of it and just go to invitationals? And then like having qualifiers or something instead to qualify into those invitationals? Yeah, possibly. Or if you're League of Legends, it's online rank. Okay. Or other think, other games do that too, I believe. It is a it is a conversation that's happening a lot right now, where, um, like, the, the fighting game community, at least in from my experience, it's it's always felt like ranked hasn't mattered. Uh, like, you're you're, I, I remember in Street Fighter Four, like it, it was a really convoluted like letter grade system, and it was like <laughs> there's a PP and there's a BP and there's a cp i don't know i was a cp i don't even i don't know either way there's like yeah. all these different point values and it was and, and then like five set it to just like a number that goes up and down and then that also didn't work out well because it turned into like here's how much time you put into the game and that's that's the other side of it is like the rank oftentimes is less so a function of skill and more so of how much time you put in mm. but then you have to balance that with like you know the standard human experience of being like if I'm playing the video game, I want to see improvement. If I'm playing World of Warcraft and I'm sinking this, these amount of hours into it, I want to have the cool equipment or I want to unlock all these achievements, right? Like, there's a certain amount of time investment that people, or there's a certain amount of results that people expect for their time investment, uh, sk yeah. uh, with skill notwithstanding. Um, and I think that right now, at least with the ecosystem for six, it is currently too too time investment heavy uh, uh compared uh, to compared to like a, a a league of legends i think um where I, i'll just put it out there uh, i think that everybody can get master or at the very least can get diamond if they just sink enough time into the game um and you can get i think you could even get by by like gimmicks all the way up to master if you wanted to i i say that as somebody that has played people in master that play with gimmicks <laughs> and, <laughs> and again it's, it's a new game so like maybe that's not actually a gimmick and maybe i'm reading it wrong but like five was the same way i think four was the same way too where like fighting game matchmaking like again you you're catering to two different crowds of people you, you you want to to reward the people that really want an accurate measure of skill but then you also have like people that are just kind of grinding at home and want to want to like want to see that progress and the game will spoon feed that to them so to speak it's it's really funny you're talking about that because it, I I heard almost the exact same thing from like a League of Legends player that I was talking to who was like trying to make it big. Uh -huh. They basically their argument is that anybody can make it to Challenger, right? As long as they put enough time into the game. Um, but the ranking you have within Challenger is what matters uh, in that game to the company at that point. Just uh, to I guess thread the needle there. Okay. And I, I so, guess like the the parallels to that would be like what your tournament placings are 
in 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 Street Fighter Six. But even that, that's a, like tournament placings are based on brackets and based on matchups yeah. and uh, based on region. Like I, I'm not right. gonna place in Japan because I'm not playing any of, the, any of those tournaments. But maybe I could hang there. Not right. I, I and, and then and then it gets a little. <laughs> you can see a scenario where someone is the top ranked, at, uh, you know, uh, Dalsim online, and then they go out to a local. Maybe that affects their seed a little bit. Maybe you do you know make, make them a higher seed because you know that kind of knowledge so it already might affect that kind of thing yeah there's a lot of like other like i i think we've we've all heard that kind of cinderella story of like you know this online player coming to offline and then either doing really well and surprising people or like not doing well and everyone's like well that's just because you're an online warrior you know and we we kind of have those two extremes and i think right now because of the way online is being more accepted by the fighting game community due to the advent of rollback netcode and due to the pandemic and whatnot, I think we're going to try to find a, we're trying to find like a middle ground between those two and be like, we respect online enough, but at the same time, we know that it's not the complete picture. Versus... Yeah, we, that's a lot of us being a weird case though, because again, like if for League of Legends, they're all being focused on ranked if you are trying to mate be on the come up, whereas we still have these open bracket tournaments, thankfully, uh, that these TOs pretty much just run out of goodwill. So yep. that's that ends up being like a, a really, really useful measure of skill. I I've been thinking about that too lately though, like where if you are the best in your local scene and you get you get clobbered out of state. Isn't that kind of analogous to the online warrior in a lot of ways? Like, what if you just got really good at playing against this small pool of players locally? And I, I frankly, I can think of some examples in our local scene. <laughs> it it just depends on like, cause cause then you start going because this is Capcom, right? Sometimes they'll assign a certain amount of points, their own ranking system, and then that's ultimately what governs everything. If your local is Wednesday night fights and you're doing and you're winning every Wednesday night fights, you're probably pretty good right that's I, odds are um but if you're at an unranked local then it's just as much as any unranked online tournament or or anything else you do that's completely unranked so would you like the the game i'm thinking about in the past where online like mattered the least uh was marvel versus capcom 3 because of how atrocious that netcode was and mm. i guess um AJ, you're still plugged into the Marvel scene, like with the advent of Parsec and whatnot. Like, has has online ranking or online play like become like more ubiquitous in even legacy games now? Okay, so that's a whole can of worms. You, okay. that is a whole thing. But <laughs> let me let just the the premise of the thing that the online didn't matter in 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 the game. Um, so th to to take a step back, there was no like. Uh, ranking system. There's no uh, Capcom Cup for Marvel or anything like that. So there was never mm. really uh, any way to tell who won, what, who was like the objective best at the time, or who had the highest amount of Marvel points or something, right? Um, that said, the people who performed very, very well online almost always performed very well offline as well. Like if they were legitimately up there, then you're talking about players like Cloud805, like Terry Bogard, like. Uh, um, Ryan LV, who ended up winning Evo, uh, mm -hmm. Quackbot, who got third at Evo, those those players all came up online. In the Parsec era, it is a whole thing. Parsec era versus the OGs. That's the current story right now. 
And uh, the OGs, if you ask them, they'll be like, yeah, it still it completely doesn't matter. You know, just, <laughs> <laughs> these guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, at the last major, um, Liberal Terminator, this Zoomer who came up completely through the Parsec era, uh, won the, uh, the whole thing. Yeah. He's like, I'm about 17 that. Yeah. years old. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, I was going to... Um, one thing I wanted to ask AJ something in terms of like improvement, you know, that's what we've been talking about too. So for me personally, like when, when I'm playing a game, right, like I don't want to play necessarily somebody lower level that I'm going to beat, you know, 50 times in a row. Right. And develop bad habits with like, uh, like two of my biggest training partners have been, have been John and, um, old man river, Jeff, and I lose to them consistently, like, like pretty badly, but I find myself learning, you know, learning and being better prepared for other situations from playing them. Right. So like, for instance, like I played Jeff, I think over one day, like two, two different sessions. And I think overall I ended up like maybe 10, 15 out of like 60. And then I played John and John watched me like zero out of 25 or something like that. And, uh, you know, there's certainly situations where I just, I was completely overwhelmed and I was just like, okay, well, I don't know what to do in these situations. And, you know, um, I've got a lot of learning to do, but then there's other situations where I'm like, you know, I'm learning, uh, like where my bad habits are. Like, this is a bad place to throw a normal. This is a bad place to throw a fireball, uh, those kind of things. So I was curious in terms of like your kind of training regimen, like, do you seek out, uh, those kind of players that are, you know, significantly better than you, or, uh, you know, that are going to really test you. Are you looking for people that are like similar, similarly skilled so that, you know, there's a little bit of back and forth or like, what are you looking for? Yeah. Uh, if I can control it, I would rather play against people who like beat me really badly. Um, and then, uh, the, cause, cause then you're balancing a couple things. Usually you only need like a first to five. Hey, can I get a first to five? Hey, can I get a first to 10 with you? They, they'll usually say yes or something like that. Right. And then mm -hmm. you get some. I'll always record those VODs. I'll always like study those VODs the most because those ones usually give you the most data. And very painfully, a lot of the times it'll be just lost the same way, like 10 times in a row. And then, yeah. and then you'll be like, oh my God, I, I wasted the whole set on that or whatever. But uh, it's un fortunate for me, I guess you could say, all my friends are just way better at Street Fighter than me. So I just ask them and I get my butt beat <laughs> as long as I want. I, I kind of feel that way uh, at, at even at the master rank level right now where it's like I when I play ranked and I did this last night I actually streamed for the first time ever it was a lot of fun check out the bots uh, <laughs> but uh, it's cotton candy uh, like I, I like I think I had a 70 this is a humble brag hell hella humble brag I had a 76 percent win rate last night and nice. um, but I actually found that I was getting worse in a lot of ways. Like what would happen is I would go and get matched up with, with, uh, randoms for lack of a better phrase. And then I would just run into like a top player and they would maul me because I would apply the same logic to that, to that, uh, the, the random player. And mm. it's, I, it was, it was, uh, forward Sean, who one time he told me, he was like, I want to go like he, he and I were playing a long set in guilty gear strive. And then he just started kicking my ass after like three games. Like I, at first I had my gimmicks, I threw them at him. It worked a couple times. And then it was like, like 10, three or some shit. And 
after a while he was like i gotta i, I want to go lose <laughs> he just he said, like I, I, want, I want to stop playing because i want to go lose and mm. i think this the the reality is you learn more from losing than you do from winning but yeah. losing sucks and losing can hurt the ego losing can make you feel like like the progress isn't there like we talked a lot about gauging progress and yeah. even where i'm at right now like i feel like i feel like if i'm eating cotton candy on ranked I could be spending time getting my ass beat in the first to 10 by a pro player. Um, mm. And like AJ said, it's, it's about, it's a, it's about like finding the things that you did wrong and you don't necessarily need to pay them for lessons or anything. Cause you don't need the lesson served to you on a silver platter unless you learn that way, of course. Um, but one thing I try to do is I try to take one, like one big point, from every match not necessarily like hey i need to break down every micro interaction and be like oh i should have done this better i should have threw paper when i threw rock or all that other stuff right but more mm -hmm. like why did i lose here's a thesis statement for this match this round and then i'm finding as i've climbed these ladders and started playing higher level players like the top top players like it's not just one thing per game it's it's one thing for the entire set because they will find something and kill me for it over and over and over again. And I, and I won't see it. And that is the difference between us. Mm. Um, so like in, in casuals with locals or whatever, I could, I could easily pinpoint why I lose a round and that's really easy. But then like the higher it gets and the more amorphous it gets and the longer the set gets, it's more like, Hey, you were, you were anxious. It, it ties back to an emotion. If anything, it becomes more ephemeral and, and it's like, Oh, you were too uh, you were too tunnel visioned on trying to kill them before before a, a certain amount of time, or like you did this with your meter over and over and over again. Like it's 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 more like trends than it is like a full on like here's a game engine thing that I did wrong and I could have I could have comboed I could have done a different combo and labbed it out differently. It ends up being like a mindset and a mental like emotional thing, and that's like the latest thing that I've been dealing with, which is like how do I how do I check those emotions? How do I curb the ego how do i uh keep myself from tunnel visioning um based on like perceived limitations of my character like right now i'm all up on chunli not having a throw loop right because that's what's popular on twitter um it's there's a tier list that says chunli is in c tier because she doesn't have a throw loop and now that's in my head and i'm thinking about that shit well when i'm <laughs> when i'm throwing somebody in the corner and i'm like i don't have a throw loop this sucks and i get anxious because i'm like i gotta make up for this somehow i gotta make up for this somehow and the top players are, are reading that and then punishing me for it and it's ugh. <laughs> a 76 a 76 percent win rate isn't gonna help gonna help ice those wounds <laughs> i don't think yeah that's no, funny funny you mentioned the forward you know beating you consistently and then saying that i want to go lose because like yeah. after you after you watched me zero twenty five, 25 i you know i i got out of the lobby and i was like i want to go win and i immediately jumped <laughs> in the ranked <laughs> fair enough yeah i mean sometimes you gotta have that cotton handy man if like you if you're eating shit and then you're like i need to eat something sweet now like a mint or a cotton candy yeah. <laughs> But, but a lot of that kind of boils down to your own, how you can process your own feedback uh, of the game. Because eventually the wins and losses don't matter. Uh, <laughs> actually, to, to thread the needle even more on this, I also played uh, Sean in uh, First to X in Guilty Gear Strive, but I don't remember how I did <laughs> uh, in terms of wins and losses. I remember that it went pretty back and forth and that it was, it was definitely like a competitive set and stuff. But uh, 
uh, other than that, I just remember why I lost uh, the rounds that I lost more than anything else, right? I was getting air to air and I had no idea what to do about it. And there was a certainty that you did the Beyblade. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, right? That was a, sure. that's why I lost that, um, the rounds that I lost. Notably, I did win uh, quite, quite a few uh, games in that one when I was going super hard and strive, but nice. Um, yeah, it's all about... Uh, you you actually you you bring up a whole bunch of kind of separate points. You, even in the beginning, you said, "Okay, so it, you don't even necessarily have to pay somebody for this kind of thing." But the thing that you're paying for uh, is is lessons. Uh, that's something we were, were were getting on, and which is like an extension of coaching. Uh, and that's the answer, basically, to all the things that you're asking about and stuff like that. Uh, how how can I know um, how I'm losing in in this in this situation? How can I manage my emotions and stuff like that? That's uh, you can either be your own coach or you can get someone else uh, that you trust and and put two heads together and figure out how to increase your consistency and how to improve in these situations where you're really lost. Um, or you can take the approach where you do start looking at these micro interactions, as I, I believe that you worded it. Just look at a whole bunch of them and eventually the, the answer should kind of pop out. Um, but that if you don't know where to look, you don't have a coach, you don't have anything like that, I'd say probably do start with the micro interactions and eventually um, some more important trends will come out later and then you'll get to the good stuff like, oh, I was sad that day or I, I didn't take a shower at 5 p.m. and I, <laughs> it really threw me off, you know, <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I, uh, the, what's funny about all that is like that the emotion stuff, the, the conclusion I came to from my sets last night, uh, those came from a coach. Yeah, <laughs> came from yeah. someone, one of my friends who's a fellow Chun Li player, shout out to Kiko Master. He was tuned into my stream and he he noticed all these things and he you know he kind of said that to me. He was like, You're playing with emotion and angst. And uh it's it's kind of a why not both scenario because then I I took that feedback and you know, I had my own ego I had to suspend in that process. I'm like, oh, I'm not emotional, blah. But then <laughs> I was like, let me check the VODs. And he was absolutely right. And so you're, you're doing both. I'm, I'm checking the micro interactions to, to validate the coach and then, then taking the coach's feedback and moving forward. So like, uh, if, if it's possible, I would recommend streaming to anybody, not necessarily yeah. because you want to perform and you want people to watch you and all this other shit, but just so that way you can record your matches and you have a reason to go back and watch them later. And there are so many people who do the, the Medify thing for free. Some, some people will review your VODs for free, and then that gives everybody a chance to, to improve. You know, maybe a coach wants to get better. I see the coach as, as a pretty important role going forward in esports. Uh, in Melee, they've already, like, kind of fully endorsed it and everything. But yeah. uh, in, in Street Fighter, it's always been a little bit nebulous. Uh, and in fighting games in general, it's always been a, a little bit nebulous. Maybe even looked down upon to have coaching. Yeah, but I, I yeah. think going forward, it's probably it'll be important. So give give some coaches some reps too. Yeah, I mean that's that's something we talked about a long time ago with Rick because you know Rick Rick has been somebody in the community that uh, Rick Dog uh, that a lot of people would say was has been a great coach for them in in situations like when they needed it. Like I I myself had you know had him coach me in a couple matches and um, yeah, it's just one of those things like um, I could see that being important going forward. Um, cause like you said, it, it has been looked down upon, right? Uh, yeah. if you lose in the middle of a, in the middle of a tournament and then somebody walks up to you and they're like, Hey, no coaching, no coaching. Right. But nowadays <laughs> it's just like, okay, yeah, you guys can have a coach, but it's in between games and you got like one minute, almost like, you know, like boxing or UFC, you get a one yeah. minute, you know, let him talk to you, have your little pep talk, you know, stop letting him get away with this. Okay. Now, now let's get back to the game. 
Yep. Yeah, and, boxing you know, UFC, I, they got a coach. You're gonna have a coach. Yeah, and you know, I think it's I think it is super important because a lot of times, just like John said, like he may not have noticed himself playing with emotion and angst, but somebody on the outside was just like, Hey, you know, this is what's going on right now, and this is why you're losing. Oh, okay. You know, there's it's somebody, you know, externally, somebody from the outside that's looking and seeing seeing something that you're not. I think that's a really important point too, is that it's really easy to be like for, for Medify, for example, right? You wanna you wanna pick the absolute best player possible on there and the highest rank and whatnot. And sometimes like r- rather, let me just cut to the chase. Skill level and coaching ability are mm-hmm. are are related but not not correlation is not causation there like the the, the, your coach doesn't have to be a better player than you they just have to know how you play and then recognize your habits and they just have to know you um and so like i and i i found that some of the coaches that i have are are they don't even play the game that i that i play uh but they know me they know me well they know when i'm angsty or, or anxious or whatever because they know john is a person and that's I don't know. Like, don't don't disqualify people based on skill level. Just like like focus on finding somebody that meshes with you and is able to give you feedback that resonates with you in your learning style. Yeah, ex- yeah. exactly. Because like I was I was at the dinner with a friend yesterday, and um, she works at like a dental school, and like they're looking for instructors, and like, and she's like, it's not necessarily we don't want the person that you know the smartest person like that's not necessarily the best teacher we need somebody that's going to be able to convey these ideas and pass them on to somebody yes. else and you know that's that's something from even my high school days is like one of my favorite teachers like i loved him i you know i i learned chemistry perfectly fine from him but there was a bunch of people in our class that just couldn't you know didn't resonate with him at all so i <laughs> yeah. took it upon myself to be like okay well if i can convey these ideas to you then you'll understand. And like, I helped a lot of people kind of pass through, pass through high school. Like they told me that when, you know, it was graduation time, like, Oh, I don't know if I would have got through this without you. And, you know, again, like I'm not a, you know, chemistry, I don't have a chemistry degree, nothing like that, but the stuff that I was learning, I was able to to pass that on and to get people to understand it. It's true. Yeah. Uh, for my money, like the best coach that I ever had was actually just my partner, Jenny. She is just, because obviously you kind of hear the way that I approach the games and stuff. I've got a bunch of data points just floating around and I got notepads and stuff like that. So I use, I, maybe that's not the areas that I usually need help with. Maybe I just need like emotionally in check uh, to check myself and stuff, especially when my, when my mentality was like super duper bad uh, in some other games, just to be, you know, just have someone there to like pat you on the back. Like it's going to be okay. That's, that goes a long way too. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's where, uh, to, to tie it back to the general theme of our podcast for the past 44 episodes, that's where your local community, I think, comes in handy <laughs> because we all tend to be pretty supportive of each other. I th- ah. <laughs> nah, that, there's rivalries in rivalries there. Rivalries too, but rivalries <laughs> are another form of support. <laughs> yeah. But you get what I mean. You get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I played... Uh, I played one of my friends in Alaska yesterday, like, you know, I just happened to be up late and I was just like, you know what, let me jump on in their discord and whatever. And they were, you know, he was like, oh, I'll play you in a set. And um, without even like thinking about it, like we hadn't played each other in this game at all. And he would just be like, I would be pressing buttons at, you know, when he'd drive rush and he'd be like, that's plus. And, you know, it's, it's not anything that, you know, I didn't ask for it, but at the same time, like I was really happy to kind of have that. Cause it was just like, he's been, he's been one of my, uh, good rivals uh uh banksters and we've always kind of gone back and forth in the games we've played 
So for him to kind of just like throw that out there, like, you know, I think he just kind of knew like, well, you don't really know what to do in this situation. Let me help you out a bit. And, you know, I'm completely open to those kind of things. And it's just like, I didn't need to necessarily be like in a, in a coach kind of player situation. It was just like, we're just playing casuals. We're running sets. And it's just like, Oh, don't press anything there. Don't do this. You know, to tie into both of you guys, your guys' examples there, like sometimes Jess will just kind of walk in while I'm playing and start giving me shit. <laughs> and, uh, and what it does is like, because I, you know, I'll, I'll get emotional or angsty or have an ego or whatnot, and it just knocks me down a peg. And it's like, oh yeah, this is she's giving me shit, and she because she knows that she knows I'm pissed about it, and it 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 levels me out and being like, yeah, this is not something to be worth. It reminds me, I'm like. I'm angry about this and that's taking space on my mental stack. That the anger is literally like a, a slot on my mental stack that's keeping me from reacting to an anti-air or something. And then she's she's got the unique way of knocking me out of that or or, or highlighting it or spotlighting it by giving me so much shit. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, uh we are at about time right now. Um I wanted to ask AJ, do you have any shout outs on the way out here? Uh, shout out to Jenny, pretty much. Uh, I, I'm not really doing all that much competitively. I'm not uh, coaching like to the general public as much anymore. But uh, if I ever get back on, uh, I'll probably open up Metify if this happens in the future and stuff. So maybe maybe look out for me on there. I'm at Skills that Kill Six on Twitter. Nice. And uh, I guess I'll go run through our normal spiel here. Uh, we. Uh... Our podcast can be found at twitch.tv slash spiral series, youtube.com slash spiral series, and Spotify by searching for Absolute Guard. I think I'm getting good at this. I think I've got it memorized now, and it doesn't sound too robotic yet. Oh. Thanks, that was a little, for... a little robotic. Damn it. Yeah. Damn it. Where, where's Jess to knock you down? Yeah. <laughs> I need some coaching, guys. <laughs> Have a good night. We'll talk to you all later. See you next week. Later, guys.